Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel Record of Mark. The Gospel Record of Mark and chapter number 12. We've been walking with the Lord Jesus Christ through the Gospel Record of Mark, just walking with Him passage by passage, just walking through as Jesus walks through. And we're now entered into what we commonly call the Passion Week, the last week of the Lord Jesus Christ's earthly ministry before he goes to the cross. And the gospel records all highlight this last week. And we've been giving the historical dates that go along with it. We started with that Sunday as Jesus Christ made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. We had observed the next Monday what occurred that Jesus Christ went to the temple and he cleansed the temple and chased out the money changers and proclaimed that his house should be known as a house of prayer. And now we have been on the Tuesday in the gospel record of Mark chapter number 12. We've been witnessing on that Tuesday, March 28th of AD 30, to give a historical date to remind you that this isn't just a made up story. This is a historical event that Jesus Christ has been dealing with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes. They've been asking him questions, trying to trip him up. He's been teaching things to them. And now as we come to the end of the gospel record of Mark chapter Chapter number 12, we can see that Jesus Christ takes his disciples and they observe a sweet little widow woman, and from their observation, they teach a lesson. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in the gospel record of Mark, chapter number 12. The gospel record of Mark, chapter 12, and notice with me in verse 41. The gospel record of Mark, chapter 12, and verse 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow and she threw in two mites which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast in, uh, cast more in than all they which cast into the treasury. For all they that did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. And with the Lord's help, notice with me, if you don't mind, a couple words in Mark chapter 12 and verse 42. Notice the word widow and then mites in verse number 42. As we just simplify this idea, the widow's mites. The widow's mites. And if you don't mind, we'd like to go to the Lord together and pray as we begin to open up this passage. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. A God who is a wonderful God, a God who's worthy to be worshiped and worthy to be served. And as we come up to you, we're just asking that you would just give us wisdom. You'd give us discernment. You'd help us to have understanding about this. 
Lord, I'm asking that you would help us to have a humbleness about this and a teachable spirit that we could be the most obedient and the blessed by you and your teachings. Again, fill me with your precious spirit and that you would help us to be responsive to you. Thank you that we can trust you and that we can depend upon you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now Jesus Christ once again is teaching in the temple in this last week, his passion week. Now on that Monday he had cast out the people from what is called the court of the Gentiles. And remember that this is a section of the temple where in the court of the Gentiles where the Gentiles were allowed to come and give their prayer request to the Hebrew people. And the Hebrew people would supposedly take those requests and pray to God. However, they had turned that court of the Gentiles to a bazaar, to a trading fair, to a place where people can purchase. And on top of that, they had a place where uh, people were um, having the balances off and they were cheating other people and they were making a profit from God's work and from the uh, taking advantage of the people. Well, Jesus had chased off those money changers. And then on the Tuesday, he actually went in to the temple and began to teach and people began to ask questions. And now he comes back outside and goes to a different section of the temple called the courtyard of women. Now in the courtyard of women was a place where that was set aside that had um, different uh, boxes where people can... Um, excuse me, where people can give. And there Jesus and his disciples were out observing. He said, boys, let's come out here. And then he said, let's stop. Let's just watch for a while. And he just let them watch. And with this, let's pick up and teach some things from this passage. The very first thing I want to point out to you is the widow's giving. The widow's giving. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse, uh, Mark chapter 12 and verse 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow and she threw in two mites which made a farthing. Now, Jesus steps outside the temple and is inside of what is called the court of the women. Now, against the wall are 13 trumpet-shaped boxes. So there's 13 boxes. They're shaped as trumpets. And each of them were dedicated to a certain giving. This is to the poor. This is uh, designated for giving to... uh, help the temple. This is for the priest. This is for this. But they would have 13 boxes that each one of them was something special to give. Uh, Nine of them were for legal dues, temple taxes, and so on. The remaining four were for voluntary contributions. So Jesus sat back with his disciples and they watched for a while. Now, whenever Jesus says, let's watch, the disciples are trying to look, what is Jesus trying to teach us? What, what, what are we supposed to be catching? And so they observe. They watch some guy with fancy clothes come in and he takes his money and gives his dues. And then out of his abundance, he would give uh, 
a lot of money to one of these extra charities, these extra above and beyond. They would all watch other people come in and they would give what they were supposed to. Maybe they would skip the voluntary. There was other people who would give and they would give a good amount. And you could tell that they were given a good amount. I don't know whether they had a wad of bills or they had a bunch of coins and you hear them go clank, 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 or whatever it is. But they observed this for a while. Then next came a little widow woman. You can imagine her as she has two mites. Now, what's a mite? A mite would just be a, if you can imagine a penny, and if you would cut a penny in fourths, that's about how much it'd be worth. It's not much at all. And so here is a lady, and this is all she had. Every little bit that she had. And maybe they watched her give, and maybe Jesus said, all right, boys, pay attention. And they watch as this little widow woman. She's not much to look at. Maybe she's a little bit hunched over. She's elderly. All she has is just this little bit. And she looks and maybe she clutches them in her hands. And this is what she has to give. And maybe she looks at which box she wants to put it in. And puts one in this box. And puts one in this other box. Now, for the temples, they actually had a... um, a rule, a temple law that said you could not give less than two mites. So there was a minimum contribution. Other than that, it'd be almost like someone every time the offering plate came and gave a penny. Well, in our society, pennies are not that much. And if you just keep giving pennies, well, then it's not worth it. You have to have a decent amount of pennies to make it kind of worth it. So imagine this lady here. She has all she has and she's giving what she has. And she takes her time and just begins to give. And they're observing this. So we start off with the widow's giving, which brings me to a second thing here, sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving. Now, the widow woman had no clue that she was being watched. Let me remind you that you're also being watched. And Jesus sees everything that you do. He's observing you. He sees your heart. He sees what you give. He sees what you don't give. He sees how you respond to people. He sees everything. But here's a widow woman doesn't realize that Jesus, the God of the universe, is observing her at this time. And she goes in and she's just trying to do the best with what she has. Trying to be pleasing to the Lord. And Jesus is delighted in her giving. Notice with me in verse number 43. And he called unto him his disciples and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more, had cast more in than they which cast into the treasury. So as she gives, she doesn't realize Jesus is giving, but she takes her two little bit and she gives, I want to give to the Lord. And then she walks on. She's not looking to see who's giving. She's just or who's watching her, she's just doing the best. She wants to honor the Lord. And she has these two farthings. Now, Jesus, who knows more information, may I also remind you that not only is Jesus watching you, but he knows everything about you. He knows your financial history. He knows how much you have. He knows what you don't have. He knows what you're trying to get by on. He knows your circumstances. And so he told his disciples, all right, boys, let's watch. And as the little lady comes, you can almost sense Jesus saying, all right, here it is, here it is. And then he gathers his disciples and said, hey, did you see that? Did you see that? 
See what? What are you so excited about? That. Did you see that little, little way uh, would a woman give? Yeah. She just gave a little bit. Jesus said, no, it wasn't a little bit. Verse 43, Jesus says, Verily or truly I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than they which have cast into the treasury. That little lady did more than all of those other people in there. Now, humanistically speaking, those disciples probably scratched their head. You could almost imagine Judas, the treasurer, holding onto the bag and said, More? What, does he forget how to count? How does this work? More? He said, That little lady did more than all of those other people. More? Two fractions of a penny? Did more? He did more. Then he explained himself. For all they did cast in of their abundance. But she cast in her want. But she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. So here's these rich people that they gave their extra. Their bills are paid. Food's on the table. Staff is taken care of. Everything is paid off. This is what they had extra. And they took of their extra money and gave to the Lord. No problem. Praise the Lord. Glad that they gave. But this little lady didn't give of her extra. This was her bill. This was her mortgage. This is what she did not have. She said, I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. But I'm going to worship and honor God the best that I know how. This is all I have And she gave sacrificially. The people gave of their abundance. She gave of what she needed to pay the bills. And Jesus said she gave more. It was an act of faith that she gave. She had a choice to keep what she had in order to get her needs. Or be obedient to the Lord and trust him for her needs. Her act of faith to give what she could not afford was greatly pleasing to God. And again, he was grabbing his disciples and said, that's it. Look at what she did. Boys, that's great. Again, I go back to Judas and say, she just gave two fractions of a penny. That's nothing. And Jesus said, no, that's everything. That is a big deal. What you just saw there was one of the most amazing things I've seen all day. What? And so what we pick up here is that there are different levels of giving, of honoring to the Lord. And if you don't mind, I'd like to take some time and maybe teach you about some of these levels of giving. Because we want, to, we want to get this principle here and see what the Lord is teaching. So if you don't mind, let's first of all go to the first level of giving, which is called the tithe. Turn with me, if you don't mind, in the minor prophet of Habakkuk. If you're in the book of Mark, turn the other direction. You'll turn to the gospel record of Matthew. The next book after Matthew is the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. The book of Malachi, chapter number 8. And remember, Jesus here has already made an observation that there were people who gave of their abundance. That's one level of giving. 
But here is a lady who gave sacrificially. That's a different level of giving. And even in Jesus' distinction, there are different levels of giving. By the way, it's not how much, it's of what sort you are giving. So notice, if you don't mind, as we have to start at the beginning. What is the very basic? What is the lowest level? Where do we build off of? Sometimes as a preacher, we'll have a brand new Christian or a Christian who's now learning how to walk in the Lord. And they say, where do I start? Well, that's a good question. Where do I start at? Well, the Bible gives the principle of the tithe. That's where we start at. Notice with me in the book of uh, Malachi chapter number 8. The book of Malachi chapter number 8. And notice, or sorry, chapter number 3. Malachi chapter 3. If you found Malachi chapter 8, there's something wrong. Malachi chapter 3, if you don't mind. And look with me in verse 8. Malachi chapter 3. And notice with me in verse 8. Will a man rob God? Well, that's some strong language to start off with. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now let me pause here. There is a difference between stealing and robbing. Have you ever thought about that? The difference between stealing and robbing? What's the difference? Stealing carries the idea of being subtle about it. It's the idea of stealing from mom's purse when no one's looking. It's the idea of snatching something when you don't think you're being watched. That's stealing. You're doing it subtle. The idea of robbing is in front of blatantly and don't care about it. So robbing says, I know you're watching me, but I'm doing it anyways. That's the difference between stealing and robbing. God says, you've robbed me. I'm watching you. You know I'm watching you. And you're taking what is not yours away. That's some bad language. That's, that's some very powerful, hard language. You have robbed me. And because of that, it says you're cursed with a curse. He says, but how have we robbed you? What do you mean we robbed you? Jesus says, let's define our terms. Verse number 10. Bring ye the tithes into the storehouse. That's an important distinction. Bring ye the tithes. Now notice the word tithe. The word tithe literally carries the idea of 10%. I remember someone says, well, how much is a tithe? Well, tithe literally means 10%, so 10%. What do you mean by that? Well, let's take your gross. Let's say if you made $100 in gross, not net, gross, then 10% of that is the Lord's. So if I made $100, then 10% of that is $10. That's the tithe. That $10 is, um, is what God claimed. Now notice this. Bring ye all the tithes. Notice you don't give the tithe. You bring the tithe. Because the tithe is already the Lord's. You haven't given anything. The tithe is already belongs to God. So if you don't bring the tithe, you've stolen what is already God's. God says, that's mine. And you took it. That was mine. You stole it. You did not give anything. So tithing, you're not giving. You're just bringing to God what is already his. You're honoring him with the substance, with the first fruits, that first 10%. And notice this, bring ye the tithes into the storehouse. Now, in the book of 1 Corinthians 16, we'll turn there in a second, it defines the local church now as the storehouse. Now, what do we mean by this? Well, God has designed this method to take care of his 
uh, business. For example, uh, the church here, the only way that we survive is by the faithful giving of God's people. God has designed it so that way we don't have government support. We don't get a special loan from, another go- from the government. We don't have any of those perks. Also, God has designed the local church to be independent, meaning that we don't have other church support, meaning there's not a denomination. We don't have a headquarters. They don't supplement our money. That God has designed it so it is the voluntarily, voluntary giving of God's people that run and operate the church. It pays for the, the uh, uh, electricity. It turns on the lights. It keeps things going. It heaps the heat. It allows things to function. We're able to supply different things because of this. This is how God's designed it. And the 10% is God's in the first place. And God says, bring ye the tithes in the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. Meaning this is how God wants to supply for his house is by the tithe. Now notice as it goes on, and prove me. You know, this is a Uh, A thing in the Bible my pastor used to say, this is where God says, I double dog dare you. Prove me. Prove me. Put me to the test. See if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there shall be not enough room to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast out her fruit before the time and in the fields saith the Lord. Here we could see that when God is honored by the tithe. He says, prove me. I double dog dare you. See if it won't come to practice. By the way, someone would say, well, that's Old Testament. This is the lower less principle. In the New Testament, it teaches you how to build on it. But this is the very basic. But God says you start with a basic and prove me. I double dog dare you. By the way, God's a debtor to no man. He says, prove me. And notice what he says he will do for you. First of all, he promised to prosper us by opening the windows of heaven. He says, bring ye the tithes in the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord, if I will not open you up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there should not be enough room to receive it. Now, some people will mistakenly say, well, if I give $10 to the Lord, he'll give me $100 back. That's not what it's teaching. You know, there are many other blessings that God could give you. For example, if you look at the children of Israel, for 40 years, he let their shoes not wear out. Now, anyone who's a parent can understand that. That would be a blessing if my kid's shoes didn't keep wearing out. He can make your gas last in your car a little bit longer than it should. He can let your tires last a little bit. He can do different things. He can prevent bills from coming to you. You know, there's many things that we don't see that God can do and to protect us. And there are many ways that he could give us a blessing that's not necessarily financial. He may allow you to continue to keep good health so you don't have the hospital bills. There's many things that he does that we don't even realize. We could trust him by faith. But notice that's not the last of it. In verse 11, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Well, who's the devourer? We know the Bible talks about that Satan is a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. What that word devour means to make disappear. You know what Satan wants to do? Make you disappear. He wants to make your Bible reading disappear. He wants to make your... um, your prayer life disappear. He wants to make your church attendance disappear. All of us know people that used to be faithful to church, but they're gone. They disappeared. 
Why did they disappear? Because Satan started devouring it. There is a principle that where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Someone who financially gives to the church doesn't want the church to fail. Does that make sense? There, there is a principle there that where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And so as you give unto the Lord, it's one way to keep your heart close to God. You want things to move forward. You want, it's one way to check your heart and it keeps those things from disappearing. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. But notice this, he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Meaning that he doesn't allow the things that you work so hard for to be destroyed. Namely, what's one of the most important fruits that we have? Our children. That God says, I will help preserve your fruit. How many people that we know, their kids, <laughs> something happened? Well, God says, I can help protect that. We know that there's other principles that go over there. But, you know, your life's work. Isn't it horrible to find someone who worked so hard and gave their entire life and at the end of their life, it got blown away? Live for nothing? God says, I can help protect those things by honoring God with the tithe. Now remember, you haven't given anything yet. You brought your tithe in the storehouse. That's already God's. That's his business, his thing. He already owns it. You can live better with 90% with God's blessing than 100% without God's blessing. Now, this is basic level. This is basic level. In the New Testament, it builds on top of that. So the very first level is the tithe. Now, I know this isn't popular, and it's almost guaranteed. I've been pastoring for over 10 years. Whenever I preach a message on financing, that's when we get visitors. And then people say, you're always talking about giving. No, we're not. But when it comes up in the text, we have to bring it up. We have to teach the whole counsel of God. This is what's next up. This is what the Bible says. We have to teach it. So the very first level is, is tithing. And you're not technically giving, you're bringing the tithe in the storehouse. By the way, there's also a principle of showing up to the storehouse to deliver it. <laughs> I know that we're living in a time of online giving and we have to make do, but there is something about showing up to church. Showing up to the church, uh, storehouse to honor the Lord with your substance. Uh, in fact, show me, let me show you this in the book of 1 Corinthians 16. Now remember, using the very language of Scripture that we said in Malachi, look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians 16. Again, I know it's not a big amen message, but it's still practical things that could probably help you more than anything else that I could preach. Notice with me in 1 Corinthians 16. It says, <coughs> um, and let's go to uh, verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints. Okay, so we already know when we're talking about collection of the saints. As I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, that is Sunday, let every one of you lay by him in store. That's the same wording as storehouse giving given in Malachi. That you come and bring on the first day of the week that you would lay by him as store as God has prospered him, that there should be no gatherings when I come. So here's the principle given by the Apostle Paul working with these churches saying, hey, you come to the storehouse on the first day of the week, and you give to the storehouse. Give and take up a collection, collect up an offering. Now again, this is the very basics. This is where we start. 
The second is actually giving. Now, we haven't given anything with the tithe. We're bringing the tithe. Now we start giving. Notice with me Luke chapter 6. The gospel record of Luke chapter 6. You guys have been very patient with me. We're going to finish this principle up. We're on the downhill slide now. But notice with me, if you don't mind, in the gospel record of Luke in chapter 6. Now we come and actually start with the giving level. Now this is giving of our abundance, just like those other people were doing. By the way, Jesus was not condemning the people for giving their abundance. He was not giving them. He was doing as a comparison, the widow gave more in comparison, but he was not condemning the giving of those people. Not at all. Notice with me in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet it withal, it shall be measured to you again. This is a promise of God. Notice what it says. It says you give and as return it will be given to you. Now it's, again it's not giving the principle that if I give $10 God's going to give me $100. But it says that God will bless us. God will take care of us. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure. Pressed down and shaken together. Now for those of you who you did cooking things. Imagine you had some flour. And you had some flour and you put it inside of a measuring cup. Now what you could do is when you get the flour. You could shake it a little bit. And it settles it more. And it leaves more room to put more flour in. So it says shaken together, uh, pressed down. You could take flour and actually press it down into it. And the Bible says that if you give, what God will do is not just give you, but he'll also give it to you. He'll, um, he'll press it down. He'll give you a good measure of it. He'll shake it down and then make it where it runs over. That's a pretty good picture, isn't it? That's wonderful. God says you give and God will pour blessings out to you. But notice this, and shall men give to your bosom? God used human instrumentality to take care of you. My pastor tells a story of when he was a young man, he, uh, he was planning on getting some shoes for himself, but he saw that there was a missionary that came in that had a hole in his shoes. And he said, you know what? I know that I need shoes really bad, but I think I'm going to go take care of the missionary. And so he said, missionary, come with me. Let's go to the shoe store and buy some shoes. And he bought the missionary the shoes and said, I'm just doing it for the Lord. I want to be a blessing. And my pastor's been in the ministry for 30-something years now. And he says, ever since that day, he's never bought himself a pair of shoes. Someone else has always bought him a pair of shoes. Anytime it came need, near, someone else came and gave it to him and took care of it. And God used human instrumentality to do that. Isn't that a great example, a great story? God is able to use human, and God's able to use his servants to take care and, and to give you a blessing. Think about that little widow woman. Maybe Jesus had Judas go and say, you know what, go drop this off at her doorstep and give her a gift and do something with it. I don't know. But God is able to do that and use others to be a blessing to you. Things that you weren't even expecting. God is able to give and able to do something. And by the way, that's just the giving level. This is the idea of your giving of your abundance. That you're giving 
All right, I have extra. I paid my bills, all this stuff. I have a little bit extra. I'm going to give it to the Lord. Now, again, this gift is often used for the operations of the church. For example, the tithe is helping to keep the lights on, but we're asking people to give above their tithe and help supply for the missions conference that's coming on, for the, for the revival services coming on. That's out of your abundance. And we're giving and we're expecting God to give us a blessing. And you know, if the preacher comes and he gives us a message that changes our life, wouldn't that be a great blessing? Wouldn't it be a help? Wouldn't it be something we need? We brought a friend in and they got saved. And we've been praying for him for a while. Or maybe someone makes a decision to turn to the Lord. Maybe someone who's far away, they come and they make a decision that I'm going to be back in church. Wouldn't that be worth the investment? Absolutely. Now, again, that's just one way. But God is a debtor to no man. He will take care of it. Now, this is again the next level. The tithe is the Lord's. This is where we begin to give, and it's just what we have offhand. It's something that we're able to give of our abundance. It's something that we're able to supply. Which brings us to a third level of giving, and this is called faith giving. We often call it faith promise giving, grace giving, but this is mentioned in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. And if you don't mind, let's go to this last level here. And this is where the widow was giving, this sacrificial giving. And in the book of first, or 2 Corinthians, he gives the example of the Macedonian churches. And let's see about them in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. Notice with me in verse number 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God. Now notice this. This is of the grace of God. We're going to observe how God gave grace to these churches in the midst of their circumstances. That the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction. So there's some horrible affliction going on to these churches, but in that great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty. So we're not talking about rich people. We're talking about people that's under persecution, and we're talking about people that have deep poverty, not just poverty, deep poverty, abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, beyond their power, they were willing in themselves. So these people here, even though they were under persecution, they were under affliction, they were under, the, uh, under deep poverty, they were able to give not only to themselves, but beyond their power. They were able to give more than what they were supposed to be able to give. Notice this. Praying with us that in much entreaty we would receive the gift to take upon us the fellowship of the ministry unto the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. So here is a group of people that said, you know what? We love God. And the very first thing they did is they gave of themselves. God I give you myself. So instead of worrying about what we're giving in the offering plate, I'm putting me in the offering plate. God, I don't have much, but whatever I can do, you tell me what to do and I'll be obedient and I'll trust you to supply. That's exactly what the widow woman did. She goes, God, I need this to pay my bills, but I believe this would honor you. So I'm giving it to you and expecting you to give. 
and supply my need. This is sacrificial giving. Now this is beyond the tithe and this is beyond just giving of our abundance. But this is coming to the place where we say, God, I want to honor you. And I don't know how it's going to fit in my checkbook. It doesn't work on my balance sheet. But I'm going to honor you with my substance. Now in this context, it was for the purpose of helping out Paul and for the gospel record and for helping those going out. Here we apply it to the idea of helping missionaries. That as we give beyond ourselves and say, Lord, what would you have me to do concerning missions to get the gospel out? I'm going to give beyond. It may not make sense. But I'm going to ask you to tell me what to give unto you. And then as I give to you, I'm expecting you by your grace to fill in the gaps. To fill in what's missing. To supply it. And let me tell you, God does it every time. God is a debtor to no man. But they first gave themselves to God and said, God, whatever you would have me to do, I'll be obedient to you. And as God said, fine, if you're going to be obedient to me, How about give this amount? And they did. And they said, it doesn't work. It's not what I could afford. But I'm being obedient to you. And as they did that, God by his grace filled in the gaps. He supplied their need. Jesus is saying to this widow, about this widow woman, that's what she did. She gave to her want. She gave past her need, expecting God to supply and fill in the hole. This is called sacrificial giving. We give it the name of grace giving or faith promise. But we do this in application for our missionaries. That the tithe is the Lord's. That giving helps supply the extra things in the church here. But to support missionaries, we say, God, what would you have me to do? And God gives us an amount and we're obedient to it. And it doesn't work out on our checkbook. It doesn't work out how it is. But God supplies every time. And again, he's talking about a group of people here in churches that had deep poverty. They're barely surviving as it is. And God showed himself faithful to them. Now again, it's not popular, but I have to teach what the Bible says. I have to be a help to you. I have to preach the whole counsel of God. And this is one level where we test God. God said, prove me herewith. I double dog dare you. Maybe there's someone in here that's never started by honoring God with the tithe. Now remember, all of this is done in worship of God. What do we mean by this? That when we talk about worship of God, we're saying, God, you have always taken care of me. And so by faith, or I'm by worship of you, by acknowledging I'm giving to you. And by faith, I'm continuing to give expecting you to continue to supply by me. We're honoring God. We're not doing it because we have to. We're doing it because God has proven himself. It's all about our vision of God. Is God trustworthy? Is he real? Can you depend upon him? It all starts with that. Maybe perhaps we need to start even more basic than that. Are you 100% sure if something was to happen to you? Are you 100% sure you'd be going to heaven? Are you 100% sure that your sins are forgiven? If you don't know for sure that your heaven's your home, you don't know for sure that, um, that God has forgiven you of your sins, then all that I just said in the last several minutes makes no sense whatsoever. To someone who has never trusted God, you mean I'm supposed to give money to the church and God's supposed to supply it. It doesn't make sense. 
You need to start at the very first place. Do you, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Do you know for sure that your sins are forgiven? Beyond that, maybe you've never tried God. You never put God to the test. I double dog dare you, God says. My pastor used to put out a challenge like this. He says, I'll give you this blank check promise. That if you don't, if you try to give to God and you honor him with the tithes and you honestly do your best and you're not better off next year than what you are this year, I'll give you your tithes back. How can you give a blank check like this? Because God's a debtor to no man. God will prove himself. We could trust God in his promises. So you put the challenge. Now we don't um, go up to people and say, have you given? That's between you and the Lord. But we want to give you this opportunity to put God to the test. We want you to see for yourself that God is real. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Now that's not talking about eating God. But just like when you eat food, you experience it, right? Oh, this is a juicy steak. Oh, it's, you experience it. Well, put God to the test. It's one thing to have book knowledge about God. It's another thing to put him to the test and to see that he works. Many of our church folks can give a testimony themselves of how God has proven himself, how God has worked, how God is just is a debtor to no man. My family and I have testimony after testimony of God working, of God providing things, even in the deepest part of our poverty. Maybe I'll just give one example. Forgive the personal illustration. But um, many of you know that I had back problems. I broke my back in the military. I was on a cane for three years. And it was in the midst of me being on the cane that God says, guess what? I want you to go to Bible college. What? So now I'm going to college and I'm broken. And I can't keep a job because I can't walk. And not only do I have a kid, and then I get two more kids. And all three of them in diapers at the same time. And I'm in college. And college people are poor to start off with. But to have that, I could barely work. And I'm working like two days a week. And full-time college. And we ran out of diapers. And we've been faithful with our tithe. And still giving faith promise. Still giving to missionaries. And saying, I don't know how it works. But this is what we believe we have. And we put the last diaper on the kids and had no income coming in for this foreseeable, you know, week or whatever it was till we got the next thing in. And my wife put on the diaper and prayed and said, God, I don't know what we're going to do. I hope that, that when they really say that they hold up to 30 pounds, that that's really true. <laughs> and the next morning, we woke up I went to go to school early in the morning, had a prayer meeting before school started at six, opened the door, and outside of our door is a big box of diapers. To this day, we don't even know who put it there. We didn't tell anybody we had the need. We didn't call the neighbors. We just prayed with ourselves, and there it was. And God's able to ride. You say that's something small. To us, that was something big because it was something we could not afford at that time. And God's done big things to us. And he's done small things for us. And God has showed himself faithful. 
Taste and see that the Lord is good. The Bible says, prove me herewith. Prove me. I double dog dare you. Some of you just need to put God to the test. He says, prove me. Try it. See if it doesn't work. Maybe you're at the place where you're giving. Praise the Lord. You're already bringing the tithe and you're giving the gift. Praise the Lord for that. Ask God what God would have you to do. And just be obedient. And he'll fill in the gaps. What a wonderful Savior that we have. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus. And I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.